First in the morning, SAFM Sunrise with Stephen Grutis. Well, it's a sort of period where we spend 16 days talking about uh, activism against violence against women and children. It's sort of part officially of the United Nations um, uh, campaign, which is why it has the title that it does. But every year we end up having the same sort of conversations. I noticed yesterday, um, just sort of almost picking up from what Churchill was saying, Deputy President Paul Machatile was saying that we should not, that we need to be sort of harsher on people who are found to be involved and gender-based violence. We're talking, of course, really about men attacking women. Uh, Lifeline has suggested now that uh, there should be a sort of memorandum. There was a, a march over the, uh, in Cape Town over the weekend that says doctors and medical staff must report cases of statutory rape. So the idea would be to try and enforce that kind of reporting. And we know in the past, though, that often what happens is that a teenage girl under the age of 16 won't report a case or won't tell people who, you know, sometimes the father of their child is. Pina Kodasang is the CEO of the Seoul City Institute. Pina, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, do you support the idea that would make it mandatory for doctors or medical staff to report cases of statutory rape? Because, um, you know, and, and we need to understand the chain of events. When a teenager presents, the first place they would present at is a clinic or a hospital when they are pregnant. So in that chain, the first person to receive this child should, because we all have a duty to report, be able to lodge a case to say, I'm seeing a 10-year-old here who's pregnant and by law this is a violation. So this person must be reported, right? So when they report this 10-year-old, then she must... uh, disclose who the father is so that we can determine whether statutory rape has happened or not. And in fact, a 10-year-old being pregnant is statutory rape. So there's nothing to determine except that we are then reporting an issue. And what that will do, Stephen, is that it will help in capping the number of cases. Because right now, it's just happening. No one is being accountable. There's no one being held to account for that. And so we need everybody's involvement in getting to the end result, which is to reduce these number of cases or to bring to book those who are perpetrating violation against these young girls. So, I mean, I agree with everything you say in terms of the um, aim of it. At the moment, when cases of statutory rape are reported, do the police actually do anything from there? What I'm trying to get to is we want to increase the number of convictions for statutory rape. It would. It would need to. We would need to show that cases being reported now actually leads to people being held accountable legally. Is that happening now? If it's not happening now, just increasing the number of cases reported won't make much difference. Unfortunately, the benchmark is very low, even across all rape cases, without necessarily isolating statutory rape. Our conviction rate right now is sitting at less than eight percent. Right. So that doesn't give a good picture. It doesn't motivate to say, if we report these things, Mm -hmm. we know for sure something will be done. But it doesn't mean we mustn't do it. We must be intentional. We must push for conviction to go up and we must push for reporting. So the more we report and the more we convict, I think the more we are then solving the problem. So what happens, and I know this has happened um, many times, um, and we've spoken to the South African Council for Educators around this, that um, you, it, people will know um, that, you know, the girl is pregnant. Um, they, will, they will suspect it's an older person. And sometimes the, the teenagers, she won't say who the father is. She won't say 
who the person is. And in other cases, she'll tell the family who the person is, and that person will pay them off. I mean, it's a terrible story, but they'll pay the money so that they don't report it. Um, and this gets us to quite difficult territory. It does, and education around gender norms and how we deal with behavior pertaining to the gender norms in societies is something we need to deal with. It has been normalized, you know, this thing of uh, rape is normalized where an older man can have a relationship with a younger woman because of the provision, the material provision, you know, the the money that is being received, Mm. sometimes normally to the parents of the child. You know, uh, that this child is dating this older person, but because they are getting money, they look the other way. We also need to engage traditional leaders around how they handle cases like this. Because in some communities, the case will be presented, you know, Kokorong, uh, the chief uh, crawl, and they decide that you must haula, you know, pay damages, mm. as mm. they call it with a cow, with a goat, which again enables perpetration. Mm. Because if somebody has enough cows, they will rape as many young women knowing Mm. that all I will do is pay Mm. off the packages. Mm. So we need to be very intentional, very strict, apply the laws and not, you know, work around the laws, but apply the laws as they are stated in, in our constitution and also in the different bills that exist. Pina Kurasang, thank you, CEO of the Seoul City Institute with SF, you're with SAFM. In fact, the Deputy Minister of Health, Dr. Sabogaseni Glomo, has just phoned in. He's been listening to this conversation. Uh, Deputy Minister, good morning. Your view on this. Stephen, I, I, I'd like to start by saying uh, we need to really put this matter for debate and dialogue in the sense mm. that some of us have been advocates of sugar daddies abusing children. It's almost abuse and also related to gender-based violence, abuse, and having unequal relationships in this space and saying this child should do what I wish because I'm older and providing other resources. Mm-hmm. That part is really totally out of order and you need to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But a shortcut that says healthcare workers must report immediately to see an 11-year-old. You know what's going to happen, Stephen? The starting point is that a teenage pregnancy is a very difficult pregnancy. It's a high-risk pregnancy. We as healthcare workers, we want to really attend to those children and make sure that they survive post-delivery and reduce deaths mm. of these teenagers when they are pregnant. Now, if I were not to have access to Cindy tomorrow because uh, Gladys came today and I reported, many mm. other young girls who are not going to mm. come in and report mm. I mean, in next year, next week, and therefore we lose a significant number. So rather, let's find another way and debate it rather than to say a shortcut is to say health workers report yeah. and then any other girl tomorrow will not come because all those who reported, either they were forced to go and show who are these people and then tomorrow, mm. but there's those, those are the issues that we are saying. Let's not probably say it's a shortcut route. Uh, mm. teenagers must then be reported by ourselves as health workers and then the case is done and adjusted. It's not as simple as that. It's also, I mean, for healthcare workers, you want to make sure people come to you. That's your job, is to care for them. The criminal justice system is a bit more complicated, but your job is to care for people and you must make sure people come to you. The last thing we want is illegal abortions as well. Because teenage pregnancy is a risky pregnancy, if there's anything I would like to do is to make sure that all those teenage mothers end in hospitals and are taken care of because it's a risky pregnancy. Now, let's, not, let's find a way of dealing with this matter mm-hmm. other than to say 
let's actually get mm. the healthcare workers to report these issues and therefore discourage any other teenager who's going to fall pregnant next week, next year. Dr. Sabonga Seni Dlomo, the Deputy Minister, thank you very much indeed. Deputy Minister of Health, hearing that conversation and uh, phoning in to respond from...